You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, today we're going to continue the introduction into the Gospel of Mark. We've been studying this for the last couple weeks, and we will be for some time, really for the foreseeable future. And we've said that it's a great gospel, but we know that it's unique. It stands alone. It's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or Matthew, Luke, and John, I should say. The book of Mark is a simple gospel. It's kind of fast-paced. We said over the last couple weeks that it's a second-chance gospel and also that it's the servant's gospel. Mark was a servant, and of course, the story is about Jesus, the ultimate servant, the servant king. And in Mark chapter 1, we've seen that the gospel uh, is a, it's a gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We get that clued in right at verse 1 of chapter 1. And then we've met John the Baptist, and he's in the wilderness. He's baptizing people, calling people out of the city, which was really unique. And then we met, uh, then we saw Jesus at his baptism, and then heaven opening up, and the Lord speaking, and uh, there was a dove and the, the loud voice, and all those things. And then Jesus was driven, he was taken into the wilderness, and we talked about that last week, for 40 days. Inside of your little Gospel of Mark, and I hope you have your copy. If you don't, you can grab it today. we got about 60 left, which is great. We've given away a lot of those, and uh, I encourage you to be tracking along with us uh, in the Gospel of Mark. But the two sections that we're going to cover today, it says that it's the beginning of his ministry, Jesus' ministry, and Jesus calling his first disciples. And as we read these here in just a moment, uh, we're going to see the urgency continued. In fact, Mark uses the word immediately a whole lot of times, and there's this urgency to get the message of the gospel to the people, the message of Jesus. And as Jesus starts to pick his team, I couldn't help but think about yesterday, how many of you picked Michigan State over Michigan. Anybody at all? Only two people acknowledging three people, and we're so sorry. How many of you picked Michigan over Michigan State? You're the victors, I know, 44 to 10. Well, Jesus today, he's picking his team, and he's picking a good one. And we're going to see what kind of filter he uses. What is he looking for? What was the strategy? How did he do it? What was important to Jesus? And, uh, and, and not only was he picking a team, he was picking individual players. And as I was thinking about that, I've got a friend. He's 90 years old. I visited him on Sunday nights. His name is Daryl. And, um, and Daryl, I would say you'd be listening on Facebook, but He's not, uh, and, uh, and he's not here today, but I'll visit him tonight. And uh, he, for the last several years, has picked one player against all the other football teams in the NFL. One player, Tom Brady. And for the last two out of the three years, the last two out of three years, he has bet his friends 1-32 to 32 that the New England Patriots would win, and he's got to bet this year again. And, and now I'm not suggesting you bet on someone, but but Darrell has got has had an uncanny ability to pick the right player 
Tom Brady to get to the Super Bowl and to win. Now, today's bottom line is not about football. Don't worry. What we're going to see today is that Jesus, when he calls us, when he picks us, when he recruits, uh, when Jesus is recruiting, he has a two-word calling. He basically says, follow me. Everybody say that with me. Follow me. That's what Jesus said. Those two words change the lives of these few men that we're going to see today. And these two words can change your life. And maybe it's, you're in the process, but it, for all, it, we are, can be changed by those two words. Jesus says, follow me. And he said that back in the New Testament. He is saying that today, follow me. And he will continue to say that. And we'll see that in Mark chapter 1. So turn with me in your copy of the scripture. Hopefully you've got this. You can make some notes on the right-hand side. I've been doing that just in my own personal study, and uh, I want to encourage you to mark up these. Uh, these will become a treasure to you, and so hopefully you got one. If you're here for the first time, just get up and grab a copy. They're on the back, and you can follow along, but on page 8, Mark chapter 1, verse 40, 14, I should say, it says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Verse 16, uh, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. See those two words? Follow me. Say it with me. Follow me. We're going to get that in our hearts. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were, were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Lord, I pray that these words would ring true in our hearts today. Lord, help us to glean and, Lord, to walk away different. Challenge us, whether we are brand new to the faith or maybe not even in the faith yet, but, but, or the most seasoned here. Lord, let your word ring true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to see over and over today, in the bottom line, is that Jesus says, follow me. This is important. But as he does that, as he calls us, he has three components. Jesus' call is urgent, it's personal, and it's transformational. There's an urgency, it's very personal, we're going to see, and it has the power to transform our lives. And as we dive into that, uh, we're going to see these things kind of come to life. And the first one is that Jesus, his call is urgent. Let's look at it. Verse 14 and 15. We see it right off the bat there. It says, now after John was arrested, and I'll explain that in a second, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now what about John the Baptist? 
It says here that he had been arrested, right? And we'll actually read about that and study that in Mark chapter 6. I mean, that's a long ways away. But John the Baptist is in hot water. He has uh, got himself in trouble with Herod, and, um, and he's said some things about Herod and his family and how he was creating relationships, and, and we'll talk about that at another time. But the, a period of months have passed here now that Jesus has been out of the wilderness, and, and uh, John the Baptist is put into prison. And what we see is that Jesus, he started his ministry in Judah, or Judea, I should say, ministering there, and he was doing some things, and then now there's a transition. Now is the time. That word time is seen in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, or verse 15. The moment has arrived for Jesus to go for it. Jesus was patient for 33 years, right? Or for 30 years, I should say. And now he's moving from Judea to Galilee. The wisdom was dictating that Jesus should relocate because of the turmoil. And he's going along declaring that the kingdom is at hand. The time. And when it says the time, it wasn't like a specific day and a specific time that you could mark on a clock. Instead, it was an era. A new thing was coming. A new era. God was working in a new way. And plus, everything that you would read about from the Messiah, from Old Testament scriptures, everything that had been prophesied is now being fulfilled. This was a huge, huge transition. And Jesus is saying, you are witnessing it right here, right now. The time is now. The application for us, I believe, is that there's some urgency. Now. And the time is at hand. And we can be a tendency, we can have the tendency as people to be like, well, maybe not now and maybe later, right? Have you ever met anyone that's a not now but later person? You know, like, uh, hey, you should do, you should take this opportunity. Not now, maybe next time, right? Or, you know, hey, you should do this. Not now, but later. Uh, or someone else, they'll step up. Uh, let them, you know, let them be the upfront, or let them do the behind the scenes, or whatever the case might be. But I believe there's an urgency to be obedient, not to stop putting off things like water baptism, which we're going to do in the month of January early on. Or next time, you say, oh, well, you know, we, I didn't participate in the connect group this last time. Maybe next time. Don't be that kind of person. When we roll those out again, you need to step up and to do that. Or when there's a serving opportunity and saying, instead of saying next time or not now, maybe later, or uh, maybe in regard to your giving, you're saying, well, I'll give next time. Or next time I'll make a faith promise. It'll be next time. No, listen and be obedient to what God is telling you to do. And I get it. We all can have that tendency. 
I've got a story I was thinking even for me. And Jessica and I, we, we, when we felt like we were called to be lead pastors, that the Lord was calling us to be a part of, uh, of a church plant. Uh, way back in the day, I was a children's pastor, and I was only a few years in. And uh, I, 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 it was really cool how God was ministering to me on a retreat with my staff, and, or with the staff that I was serving on. I was a kid's pastor, and I really sensed that God was calling me to be a church planter and to be a lead pastor. And, uh, and I came home, and I told Jessica, and we both kind of agreed, not now, but later. Like, we literally said, yeah, when the kids are grown and out of the house, then we'll plant a church, or then we'll be a lead pastor. But for now, we're just going to continue to do this. Well, the, the funny thing is, is the Lord continued to work on our heart, continued to bring people in our path, and would not take it off of our minds. And so we got busy. We started working towards some of those things. I got ordained. I started looking with the, uh, the state of Ohio. And then the, the, this church called us and said, hey, we're a church plant and just a brand new church. And uh, our pastor has just left. And we knew who that pastor was, Jeff Grinnell. And, and we answered the call. Can you imagine 13 years ago, none of us would be here right now if we, Jessica and I, would have continued to say, well, not now, but later. I hope you're glad. <laughs> Too bad if you aren't, right? But we don't want to be that kind of person, right? The point is, is that there's an urgency in Jesus, in his pronouncement here. He's making this transition, and part of Jesus' call to everyone, every single one of us, is to do it now. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, you can turn in your normal copy of God's Word or flip on your phone to do that. It says this, it says, today, if you hear His call, or if you hear His voice, look what it says, do not harden your hearts. Don't be rebellious. Do what he says. And we know how important that is. I'm going to skip the next little portion just uh, for whoever's doing the slides back there. Um, what's important here is that God is calling us. When Jesus says, follow me, you got to know there's an urgency to that. And I would say there's an urgency today. Number two, we want to move, keep on moving on here for time's sake, is that Jesus' call is also a call that is personal. In verses 16 through 20, won't take the time to read it all, but there are four names that kind of emerge. Simon, Andrew, John, and James. And Simon and Andrew are called in verse 16. They're throwing their nets out from the shoreline. And James and John in verse 19, they're working on their boats and their father's business and working with the servants there. And sometimes you read this, and uh, at least for me, my, my history reading this is like, oh, they're poor fishermen. Like, you know, maybe they're out fishing just to have enough to eat for the day. No, 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 no. These guys were uh, skilled fishermen that this is, was their main line of work. This is what they did for a living. And fishing was a huge deal there on the Sea of Galilee. There were 16 different harbors within the sea. And it was a huge family business for James and John. 
He was successful in both cases. I like what Wearsby, one of the commentators that I'm using, he said in regards to Jesus calling fishermen, fishermen were often successful. They were full of courage. They had the ability to work together. They had to be patient. How many have ever been fishing? you got to be patient, right? And so they're patient people. They had to have energy and stamina, uh, faith and tenacity. They weren't quitters. They weren't complainers. And uh, and I really like this idea that, that when Jesus called the fishermen, you know, he knew what he was doing, uh, no doubt. But even more important than that, Jesus was calling each of them by name, calling them to himself. Four different men, four different stories, two different families, because they're kind of brothers in both cases, but four different hearts God is calling. Jesus is calling them. It's not like Jesus was walking down the Sea of Galilee and said, hey, all of you fishermen, the whole harbor, come and follow me, right? It's not like Jesus went down and was like, okay, you know, everyone from here to here, come and come with me. No, he called them by name. He said, Simon, Andrew, James, what's the other one? John. He called them and he said, what did he say? Follow me. Follow me. And this is the way it works. And God is working today in the same way. He's using those two same words, follow me. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing your family. You must know that as we move into Thanksgiving and Christmas. He's pursuing your coworkers. He's pursuing your classmates, your teachers, your neighbors, he's even pursuing your worst enemy. And he's saying, follow me. Why would Jesus say that? What was Jesus desiring by pulling these four guys? What would Jesus desire from us? We get a clue in Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Let's put that up. It says, and he appointed the 12. Why did Jesus appoint 12? And why did he bring these guys to him? so that they might be with him. So they would be with him. Jesus wanted a personal relationship. And so when you look at this story, don't remove yourself from the personal nature of this story. In the middle of their lives, they're out fishing, minding their own business. They're dirty, they're smelly, they're working, they're casting their nets. And what do they do when Jesus called them by name? They dropped it all, and they answered the call. It's a radical picture. And we can experience the same thing in our lives. Number one, Jesus' call is urgent. Number two, it's personal. But there's a third thing we can see here, is that Jesus' call is transformational. Let's read it in Verse number 17. Look what it says. And Jesus said to them, this is Andrew to Simon to James and to John. He says, I'm sure the same thing. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He is inviting these four guys into a journey, into an adventure He's inviting these guys to fulfill their God-given purpose. 
their purpose, their destiny. He's laying it out. And when they answered the call, they were changed. They were no longer fishing for fish, but they became fishers of men. They were called into the ministry just like that. And you think about that. Jesus saw potential even when other people didn't see potential in these four guys. Jesus did not go after the rabbis of the day like you might imagine. It was interesting as I was studying, I I realized, and you might know this if you've studied scripture, that all Jewish boys from age four, I'm sorry, from age six to age ten for four years, they would go to Hebrew school and they would memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy the Pentateuch. They would memorize it word for word over four years. That's every Jewish boy. And then after that, they would continue from age 10 to 14. They would study deeper. And at this point, only some would make the cut. Everyone wanted to be a rabbi. It's kind of like today. You want your kids to be the, the, I don't know, the rocket scientist. Or you want them to be the doctor because it would be a, a prestigious type thing, right? Your kids would be respected. And there, it was in relation to their intelligence. But at some point for Andrew, Simon, James, and John, they did not make the cut. Someone said, you're not going to make it here in school. You aren't smart enough. You're not going to make the team, so to speak. You're no Tom Brady, so to speak. Maybe you'd be better suited for fishing. (laughs) Kind of like in the movie Rudy. Have you ever remember seeing that? They're saying, look, Rudy, just stay in the mines. This is your destiny here work in the mines. You're not a football player. And someone had said along the way, you're not rabbi material. You're not pastor type material. And these four guys that were fishing had not been picked, did not have what it took, but Jesus still said, look, follow me. He said, follow me. And he transformed their lives. There was a change from that moment forward. There was a difference. And the same happens for us today. Jesus does the same thing. You say, man, you know, I'm dealing with some shame in my life. I, you know, there's, I've done some things. Or I've got hurt in my life. People have done some things to me. And I know some of your stories. And it's heart-wrenching. It'll bring tears to your eyes. I get it. Others of you are saying, man, I've just had too many disappointments, uh, too many discouraging things. I've been rejected one too many times, or I feel like I'm on the outside and everyone else is in. And, And Jesus says, you are exactly what I'm looking for. He says that to each and every one of us. It's not about how smart you are. Or having the right pedigree, Jesus looks you in the eye and he says this. He says, you are exactly what I need. Follow me. Jesus is looking for individuals, for people that have a story just like you and I do. He's looking for people even that are carrying some hurt and some pain. And he says, follow me. You say, I'm not good enough. He says, follow me. 
He's, you say, I've messed up. He says, follow me. He says, I can't afford my bills. I'm going bankrupt. He says, follow me. He says, you don't know my past. He says, follow me. He says, you don't know about the abortion. He says, follow me. He says, you don't know about the shame or the addiction. He says, follow me, and I will transform your life. Amen? That's what Jesus does. And it's crazy. You look at the story of Mark, Mark's gospel, by Mark chapter 6, which marks one year from this point. Jesus is sending out the twelve. One year later, they've been with Jesus. And what do they do? They go out and they are healing people. They're driving out demons. They're preaching the gospel. They become the hands and feet of Jesus. A bunch of misfits, really. And God uses them. And when we say yes, God enters our world in the same way, and the transformation begins. Amen? Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now that you would stir within us a desire to know you. Lord, we know that you're pursuing us. And God, you're calling us out. Lord, whether we've been in your presence and we've known you for, since we were a little child or maybe this is the first time you've, we've ever been in a church service, I don't know. But God, I pray that no matter where we are along the journey, Lord, that we would answer the call. And God, that you would do something here in our midst, in this season, that would be marked by your hand upon us. And God, that you would use us beyond our wildest imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This story, when you look at it from a big picture, Jesus had overcome the devil in the wilderness, right? And now he's ushering in the kingdom of God, and he's calling men and women to help him with his mission. He says, follow me. And I want you to know, church, that when Jesus says, follow me, there's this full submission. These two words can change your life, but it takes a submitting to the Father. In our soap reading this last week, we've been reading through the book of John. In John chapter 3, you may have read it this week, maybe didn't see this, but it definitely caught my attention. John the Baptist, of course, we were talking about the last couple weeks, he was 100% committed. He knew his role, and God had called him, no doubt. But when he was confronted and his disciples were saying, hey, what's happening? Jesus is getting all this popularity. And, uh, and, and what, what's going on? Who should we follow, Jesus, or should we follow you, John the Baptist? And, and what John the Baptist said gave us a clue of what it means for us to follow Jesus. It's in John chapter 3, verse 30. I think we have the verse. Let's put it up on the screen. It says this, he must become greater, talking about Jesus, I must become less. He must become greater, I become less. And the way that we want to close out this service is a, a call to surrender. In this season, I would say it's the most important season you've ever faced in your life. 
Jesus is calling you for you to become less, for him to become more. It's a surrender. Now the song that we sang earlier was called Nothing Else. This is a song that Pastor Bobby has been playing here at the church uh, and actually goes on behind that. We talked about it months ago. I think Sam Sam Morellis sent me the song after a board meeting. He said, Pastor, you got to listen to the song. And I listened to it probably, no lie, probably, I don't know, 50 times or more. It gets down inside of you. But it's a song of surrender. It's a song of confession as well. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. There's no reason you should walk out of these doors without accepting Christ. And if you're here in that case, I want to just lead you in a quick prayer. Uh, It's a prayer that uh, could be your prayer. And if this is your prayer, you can just agree along with me. And uh, let's do that. Say, dear Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Lord, I pray that you would save me. Take away my sin. Make my heart clean. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Lord, draw me close. Lord, you're calling me to follow you. And Lord, today I answer yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that was your prayer, I'm going to just ask that you would respond. Make make yourself known at the altar here. and, uh, and uh, we want to walk with you and we want to encourage you. I'm going to ask everyone to stand all across this place. What we'd like to do is to kind of set the stage that today is a day of surrender. Uh, today is a day where we make Jesus more and we say less of us. And we're heading into a tough season to do that. Black Friday's right around the corner, right? Christmas is coming, whether we like it or not. More of him, less of us. And we're calling you out. And I'm going to encourage you to, if you are saying, you know what, I want to answer God's call. I want to do what God is calling me to do. I want to, I want to be who God wants me to be, to be transformed. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to do God's will in my life. And I want to answer the call just like the disciples did. We're going to ask that you would come to the altar as Pastor Bobby leads us and find a place. You can kneel, you can worship here, or you can turn in your seat. But service is not quite over. We're going to press into the presence of God. Let's do that together. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you, God. Move in our lives, God. Let's respond together. Let's find ourselves at the altar. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for today, that we are in a new season, a new era, a new time. Jesus has declared it. And I want to remind you of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 that said, if you hear his call, saying, follow me. And if you hear that call, do not harden your heart. Instead, that your heart would be open. Just know this, that he's calling you by name. Every single one of us, front to the back. And he wants to transform us.
us. He wants to use us. And so I just believe that the Lord wants to just anoint us for that. And what I'd like to do is in our closing prayer, I want us just to put our hands like this. Like we are a vessel. And I'm just going to ask the Lord to pour his oil of anointing on each and every one of us to fill us up. That God would use us beyond what we could ever imagine. Just like that. Father, we're saying yes. We hear your call to follow you. Lord, help our hearts to be soft. And I pray right now that you would pour out your anointing, your power on each and every one of us. And Lord, that you would use us this season beyond our wildest imagination. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Father, go before us, behind us, and all around us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.